I went to jail and they gave me death row. I might want peanut butter and jelly and chocolate milk last meal. <laughs> I'm with you on that, like 100%. Like, I'm with you on that. No, nah, that doesn't slaps. It slaps. It's good. That's good eats. Like, it, it never gets old and it saves you a ton of money if you just do it for lunch or whatever. But, you know. and it's quick, simple, easy to make. So, can't complain. You ain't got to worry about it. That's facts. That's facts. Not at all. I, I, wanted, I wanted to have Dave on the show, bro, because, yo, Dave. You're like a you're you're a Jersey legend, bro. Yo, it's stamp, bro. Stamp, bro. There's gonna be people that are gonna be ha- happy we had you on the show, bro. I already know it's gonna be a hit that we had you on the show, bro. Like I don't think you understand. Like we, would, yo, Dave was selling out gyms at Columbia, bro. Like people was coming to see you play, bro. You and Mike, you and Mike. I should I should have Mike on at some point too. Like, nah, that, nah, I appreciate it, bro. I definitely should have hit you up earlier. I just you know. I've seen a couple of your podcasts. I'm like, yo, like, this is good content. Like, you know, I definitely want to be on it. So, and I appreciate you inviting me on the show. So, no, I appreciate that, bro. For real, for real. But I'm going to let, I'm going to let Tone do his intro thing because, you know, it's it's the best part. It's the best part. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of the Bench Mob Podcast. We have today a special guest, David. And I don't want to butcher your last name, Runchy. Runcy, that was close, man. Basically, that. Right. But nice. already mentioned, Jersey legend, Columbia High School, went to Hampton as a walk-on, transferred to Bard. I mean, the list really could go on with all the accolades, but we're going to just get into it before we start and we talk about his journey, we talk about his career with ball, what he's up to now, because I know all of our listeners want to know what he's been doing lately. Mm-hmm. Shout out to our listeners, shout out to the YouTube viewers, shout out to y'all for supporting. It is huge. It's because of y'all why we are able to do this show. Be on the lookout. We have some big news coming soon. But Dave, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing well. I can't complain, man. You know, crazy times, but you know, doing doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. So um happy to be here. Oh man, the pleasure is all ours, bro. And 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 you know, the, you know, I don't know if you've seen the interviews before, but like the way they typically go is like it's a conversation. Like it's no different than sitting down in my car and chatting, or it's no different than us hooping at the gym. We're just chatting on the side, like honestly. So, um, you know, I, what I want to start with is just kind of take it back to the beginning. Um, obviously, you know, I, I I want people to get an update on how things are going now, though, uh, before we kind of get there, right? So, like, how are things going now, Dave? What's up? I obviously know what's going on with you. You know, we we, we hang out all the time, but for the listeners, you know, what, what are you up to right now? Yeah, so um, I graduated May 2019, so a year and a half ago. 
Um, I got into coaching. You know, that's something I always wanted to try out. I was coaching at um, Connecticut College. It's a Division three school in New London, Connecticut. So it's a nice spot. Um, and yeah, man, I got to coach for a season. Uh, you know, I, a lot of film study. I still connect to the game of basketball. Definitely wanted to try that aspect of it. You know, be, be involved in the game. Um, and then it's crazy because the season ended right when the pandemic hit and um, everything was uncertain. And for me, it was always something I wanted to try, but for me, I didn't have that same passion. I, I loved being a player, but coaching wasn't something I really wanted to continue doing. And then, so after that, you know, I got into like the business world, you know, right now I'm, I just got a job recently. I'm helping um, small businesses during these tough times. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing, you know, from home, working remote, been doing that for the past you know, months. Um, but no, I just feel blessed, man. During these tough times, I'm healthy. My family's good, you know. Um, so just appreciating the little things. And I've been, you know, playing ball with Greg every now and then in small groups, you know, trying to be safe. But we've been active, hooping. Um, and when we're not hooping, we're throwing around a football, just trying to stay in shape. So that's kind of what I've been up to, you know, staying in shape, hooping, you know, just, you know, working and, you know, just being thankful that I'm healthy, you know, as of now. So mm. thank you for that. Before we, before we even go to the the beginning stages of where the love started. You just mentioned how much you really enjoyed being a player. Coaching really wasn't your bag. What, um, did you have an opportunity to continue playing once college was done? Like, how did you just go into coaching? Yeah, so for me, um, my last two years at Bar, you know, I really had, I had a breakout year, my junior year, and then my senior year, I played even better. Um, but for me, um, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit. I was like, you know, I'm playing well, you know, maybe I could play overseas. Um, but the thing is, I wasn't really getting that type of attention, you know, from overseas agents or, um, you know, clubs. So for me, it was like, I'm not really going to go over there unless I'm wanted, you know, I'm not going to maybe go to like Bulgaria if I'm not wanted, you know, <laughs> like that, that'd be tough, you know? So um, it was in the back of my mind, but for me, I was content. Like for me, I was like, you know, I finished my last basketball game in college, you know, I'm happy with the career I had and, you know, I won't have any regrets that I'm not playing anymore. So for me, it was like my last college basketball game. My career is done, but I'm happy with it. You know, I could live with the results. So it was a little bit, I thought about a little bit in terms of playing after, but it was more so, you know, I could live with what happened. You know, I'm happy about it. Time to move on. Um, so that was kind of my thought process about maybe playing overseas, but it didn't really work out that way. I was more so college and then move on to, you know, life after that. Well, I mean, as long as you happy, that's, that's yeah. all I meant. Exactly. Exactly, man. You know, but, you know, people need to know, too, it, it wasn't sweet. You know, when you were at Bard, like, there was an opportunity to play overseas. I, I always said that. We talked about that, too. When we just played the Y, um, just work out. I'd be like, yo, you can definitely play overseas. <laughs> like, yeah. it's no question to me that you you have the talent. Like, your junior year, it says here, bro, you you had a career at 31 points over Vaughn. You scored over 20 points four times. And you were averaging 13.2 points a game, and that was a big jump from that eight points and five rebounds you were having uh, the first year you transferred over. So you were getting – you had you had to get acclimated, and then the next year blew up, right? Like, next year just took off. So what was that like? Like, what was it like getting acclimated to Bard, and how did it feel, you know, going on that run your junior year? Bro, it was crazy. So my first year, um, you know, I get to Bard. I'm coming off the bench, and I was just really inconsistent. It was my first time getting game minutes. So it's different than you know, when you're walking, like I didn't get game minutes. So I'm practicing, but in a game, it's different. So, you know, some games I had 20 point explosions, other games I'd have two points and a bunch of turnovers. You know, I was just really inconsistent. Um, so it's hard to start a player that's not consistent. And that's kind of what I was my first year at Bard. Um, but my second year, man, when I had that breakout year, I was just, just consistent, man. Like I was playing 30 minutes a game, you know, 
out there, you know, making plays, you know, scoring. Um, and I just felt like I was just being me. I was doing what I thought I could do, you know. Um, so I think the breakout was more of, co of a confidence thing and just getting acclimated to college ball because my first year at Bard, that was my first time getting game minutes. And um, it was a good learning experience. So I really got to be like, okay, you know, my first year was solid, but let me just improve on this and, you know, try to be a bucket the next year. <laughs> That's kind of, you know, let, let, me, let me get into my bag. You know, that was kind of <laughs> how, how I felt. And then I was able to, that's kind of able, what I was able to do, so. The bag, Yo, the bag is I, deep. It really is deep. I have to attest to that. The YMCA pickup oh. run. He oh. was, it was hard to guard this man. Like, he's not obviously 6'11", but he gave <laughs> that Katie-esque just smooth, easy jumper and nobody obviously at YMCA was able to put a hand up and make anything of a difference on his jump shot. It was dag near every game he would go eight and oh YMCA run. So you mentioned being a bucket, you mentioned getting first time, getting some player minutes. We have to touch on it because this is huge. A lot of people don't do this. This is like a one-of-one -one type situation. You go to Hampton and you walk on and make the team. How was that being a walk on and making it at a D1 institution as a walk on? Yeah, bro. I, so I'll tell you that story. So um, out of high school, I was getting recruited by just a mixed bag of schools. Um, the schools I was getting recruited by the hardest were Jersey schools. And there were solid schools like Ramapo, TCNJ, um, and I had some D2 schools in Connecticut. But for me, like, I was like, I want to go to college in a different part of the country. I want to, you know, get out of state and just see something new. So I started looking at schools down south, you know, Hampton area, and then out west. And um, I applied to Hampton regularly, like like a regular student. Um, and you know, so I applied to Hampton. And then this was before my senior season. So after my senior season of um, high school basketball, you know, I had a good year, and I made a highlight tape. My dad, he's great with that. He helped me make a highlight tape, and I had my senior year highlights and then my AAU highlights from the previous year. And so I had already applied to a Hampton. And so I was like, let me just send my highlight tape in there because you never know it's worth a shot. <laughs> you know, let me, let me send, it, send it in. I also sent it to other schools as well, um, out West and some schools um, in Massachusetts as well. But, you know, I was like, you know, I'm gonna send it out um, schools I like, you know, if one coach responds, that's all I need, one coach, you know, that's all you need. So um, a few days later, you know, the Hampton coach replies. He said, says we have a walk on spot you know, we love, we love kind of what we saw on tape. We got to see in person. Um, do you want the spot? You know, you have to try out for it though. You know, you, you want to try out for this walk-on spot. And I'm like, yeah, like, absolutely. I want, I want to try out for this spot. Like, you know, when can I come down? And um, he sets up a time and date. This was in mid-April after my senior year. So the high school basketball season ended like a month or two before. And so it's mid-April, you know, I come down and I'm working out with the team. So the trial was basically like, it was a workout at first, and then it ended up being a scrimmage with the actual team. And guys, when I tell you, I played the hardest I ever played in a workout in, in a scrimmage in my life. I'm like, yo, I need this spot. Like, I, 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 need, I need this spot. So I was playing, bro, I was playing my butt off. I was diving for loose balls in the scrimmage. I was going at dudes that were, they were better than me, the dudes that I was going at, but I was like, I don't care. Like, I'm playing, like, playing my butt off for this. And then, so I play well enough and I get the spot. And um, bro, it felt so good. Just, you know, the coach was like, yeah, no, you, you, you earned it, man. You earned the spot, the walk-on spot. And then, you know, he took me around campus, showed me the school. So I got a feel for, you know, because it's also my decision, like basketball is cool, but do I like the school as well? So he showed me the school. I like the school. And I was like, yeah, no, this is the spot for me for, you know, for now. 
And that's kind of my journey to Hampton. You know, I, I applied there regularly as a regular student. And then, you know, I took a chance, like, let me send my highlight tape in there. Like, you know, I had a good senior year. I was confident and it ended up working. You know, he, he responded. He, it's kind of like a low percentage chance that he was going to respond to that email, but, you know, it worked out and I, you know, played well enough in the workout. And then, so that was how, how I got to Hampton. And then, you no, know, once I got there, man, like, bro, down south, I think it's like Southern hospitality. The vibe is just so different. Um, especially in college and it was HPCU. So it was like a family atmosphere. You know, they really looked out for one another. And um, I, I was just, the facilities were nice. Um, practicing with the guys every day was great. Um, I got better, even though I didn't get game minutes, I got better in practice. And that showed off when I transferred to Bard. I got to use what I learned at Hampton to, you know, kind of take off and do well at Bard. Um, but the experience was great. Like, I mean, I, like it's one of those things I remember forever. I got to be a part of a, you know, division one club, got to get better, got to use the facilities. The locker room was dope. Like I just took pictures, of, they have them in my camera roll just to like keep forever. <laughs> dope, dope pictures of, um, you know, the locker room, the guys are great. And just like the family vibe was amazing. So, I mean, I'm just happy I did it. And I think it helped me as a player and as a person too. So happy got to go to Hampton. Well, what, you know, there's a lot of guys that want to play D1 ball that listen to the podcast. A lot of the guys that want to play D1 ball, that we know personally, right? Um, what do you? What would you tell them the biggest adjustment is from playing high school basketball and playing AAU at a high level, which you did, and we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the difference between doing that and then playing basketball at that high level at D1? Like, what's the biggest difference? What's the biggest thing you have to adjust to? The speed of the game is just different. Like, um, and dudes are physical. I think it's just um, being able to adjust the game. So, I would say the biggest thing, um, if you know, if you're a high school player that you know, you're trying to play D1, um, just trust yourself. So, you know, if do what you do well, but you know, don't overdo it. You don't want to overthink it. You know, in games and you know when you're trying to, you know, obviously impress coaches, you want to, you might want to overplay or just kind of play out your comfort zone. But I would say just do what you do at the highest level. So, if you're a knockdown shooter, you know, be a knockdown shooter, but also make smart plays. Don't try to you know, dribble through a crowd or take like a step back three if that's not your game. So I would say just play your game at a high level and just be confident. And uh, wherever that takes you, it takes you, you know. Maybe it's not D1, but maybe it's like a high D2 or a high D3. So I would just say play your game to, like play your game at a confident level. Don't be who you're not, you know, and that will take you farther than you'll ever kind of realize whether it's D1, D2, D3 or NIA because the competition level is great at any a level so just kind of find the best spot for you that's what I would say I think that's great advice right there um basically goes back to kind of a a theme that we had from different guests on the show just playing a role know your role and excel at your role let's go back to the beginning let's go back to the early stages when did basketball become your love when did you pick up a basketball and start becoming great I mean, to be honest, my dad, he was (laughs) really into basketball. So I would say when I was like three or four, to be honest with you, like I was shooting shooting in like in the house, the little like kitty hoops and then, you know, YMCA leagues, you know, five or six years old. But it kind of started for my dad. You know, he played college ball. He got me and my brother into it. You know, he put the ball in our hands. So I would say since I was like three or four, um, I was playing. And when I really started to love it, I would say, you know, as soon as like as early as I had a memory, maybe five or six years old when I was playing YMCA leagues, just, you know, it was fun. Like, you know, I tried other sports like baseball and tennis, and I just didn't have the same passion as I did for basketball. And, 
maybe that's because of my dad or maybe just because, you know, I was better at it. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. But I would say, yeah, as long as I can remember, like five years old, that's when I um, really had a passion for it. And I think just our community, like just going to the gym with you guys is that also made me love the game more, too, even though, you know, like, you know, YMCA, it's different, obviously. Um, you're not playing like a game scenario, like with fans or anything, but it's just fun just hooping like the innocence of the game, like playing with you guys. That kind of made me love it even more because I realized that like when I'm not, you know, hooping at Columbia or whatever, um, I could just, you know, enjoy the game at times without a coach, you know, because sometimes with coaches, it's all structure or whatever, but you, know, you can just hoop with your friends, you know, it's fun hooping with your friends. Like hooping with you guys is fun. Like I, I would do that any day, you know, um, so um, just being, being having great friends and great you know people around like you guys also helped me love the game as well so I mean Greg it's, it's easy to love the game when you go into the YMCA eight and no and you go home <laughs> <laughs> yo man I can't wait till we could have those you know moments again you know when we the world that, gets we need that back we need that back for we sure all of us can just hoop, hoop again without you know fear of getting sick I can't wait till that could happen again facts facts and it, it, it's so you know when we used to hoop with the Y, bro, my favorite thing about it was, was it wasn't even the games, bro. The games was what they were. We knew, you know, we knew what we were about to do. If we were the same, if we won the same team, we knew, we knew what it was. We knew what was going to happen. But it was really more about playing against you. I enjoyed that in particular because your bag is deep. And I it made me have to play defense. And, you know, like me, like, yeah, I'm 25 now. Like, I'm trying to go to the league. I'm not really trying to play defense. Like yeah. that. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, like, when I have play against you, I have to, and I like that. Because if I don't, it can get embarrassing. So I really – that's that's the thing I appreciated the most about playing against you, bro. Um, but, you know, I, I you know, you we, we took it back. Um, we'll, take, we'll, we'll get back to your college days soon. But two things. One, for mostly – for people who don't know, Dave's dad is, like, the real-life Uncle Drew. Like, you Uncle Drew commercials, like, you see that? Now, his dad is a killer. Like, it, it didn't miss a, it didn't miss a generation like Dave got it from his dad and and Mike too like yeah it, right and people don't know went to, where, where was he at Virginia yeah and then he transferred and when he really like got his buckets was at Holy Cross which is you know a Division one school as well so yep but yeah man like his game like he's just kind of taught me you know you got to be aggressive but have controlled aggression like you don't want to be out of control but you want to yeah. be like aggressive where you're helping the team so. Yeah, he was definitely someone that I looked looked up to and um kind of modeled my game after. To be honest with you. So. Yeah, man. I mean, if you can, if you had, a, if you could sum up your game in a couple sentences, what would you say your game is like? Yeah, so I would say I'm an aggressive shooter that likes to play fast paced and push the ball. So, um, you know, I'll take some wild shots. To be honest, I'll take some wild threes. But I mean, we all do that, you know, when you're playing aggressive. Because when you're playing loose, that's when you're at your best. Like you don't play your best when you're a caged animal. Like you play your best when you're loose. So mm -hmm. I would take. I would say I'm an aggressive shooter that likes to, you know, take deep shots, but also get out on the break and, you know, try to get easy buckets and play fast paced. Like I want to be able to play a fast paced game. I don't want to play like a slow paced game where, you know, it's sloppy. Like I want to play up tempo. So up, so up tempo shooter that likes to be aggressive and, um, you know, just basically, you know, kill. <laughs> it's kind of my mindset. So just on the court. yeah, <laughs> so. I love it. I love it um transitioning from that you know like obviously the game was there from an early early age your dad created an AAU program 
you know, King Street Kings, that it's well known. You had some really great players come through there. You play with some guys, just to ring off some names. Otis Langston played with y'all. Austin White played with you guys. Austin Goodluck, um, amongst others, right? There's a lot of guys we could go down this list and name. I'm, I'm missing some Temple was with you guys too, right? Yeah, Temple gets with us for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like just stack. So tell me what it was like playing with, like playing for your dad's AAU team. And it was prominent. Like it was a prominent AAU team, well known. People wanted to play for them. What was that like uh, playing throughout your adolescent years? That was great. At first, it's a little weird because you're the coach's son. So it's like, you know, is he really good or is he just on the team because he's the coach's son? But then you start mm -hmm. to prove yourself, you know, obviously, like once the games start and, you know, I'm doing my thing in games. It's like, OK, like, you know, he deserves to be here. Um, but it, no, it was great. I mean, we traveled like everywhere, man, like <laughs> different states. We went to AAU Nationals. Um, and you got to connect with the guys like, you know, Austin Goodluck, Otis, like what you mentioned, Austin White, um, and, you know, there's a bunch of others, you know, just connecting with the guys and um, playing against good teams. You know, you play, you play against great players in AAU um, as well. So I think that helped me a lot, um, honestly, um, growing up. And that helped me, I think, in high school, you know, I was able to get better uh, all the way up to high school. And then I think at, my, at Columbia, I was able to kind of show off, you know, my skill set that I was able to get from AAU because I think the more you play as you guys know like the more game experience the more you play you're going to get better you're going to try new things you're going to play you know like just playing experience I was able to get by playing you know, hundreds of games in AAU and I think the relationship is the biggest thing like just getting to know people off the court and those travel experiences like you guys know when you travel with a group of people you get closer you know so I was able to get close with certain people and um, yeah my dad started all that so I'm, I'm forever you know grateful that he started the King Street Kings um, organization and you know end up taking off and you know bigger than probably ever thought and guys came through who you know it's like whoa like this guy wants to play for the for King Street like really like wow it's kind of cool um but yeah I'm just forever happy that my dad started that it helped me take my game to the next level my brother everyone came through and um yeah meet great people so no I'm thankful for that for sure yeah I mean I, I was going to ask, you know, and throw it in there and tell him, I'm my bad, <laughs> but best, best player you ever played against in AAU, like who was that best player? Isaiah Whitehead. I would say Isaiah, Isaiah Whitehead. Whitehead. Yeah, we played him, we had, we hosted a tournament, um, King Street, we hosted at Newark Academy. Um, yeah, shout out Coach Mingo. <laughs> uh, but we are. Uh, <laughs> but, the, the, but the tournament was uh, hosted at uh, his place at Newark Academy. Um, mm -hmm. And we played against Isaiah Whitehead's team. It was a juice, you know, back then juice, you know, they had a bunch of players and Isaiah Whitehead was one of the better guys. And I remember one play I was guarding him, man. He just gave me a straight bucket in and out cross step back bucket. And I was just like, yo, it happens to the best of us. But that made me realize like, there's some good guards are just AAU. And he was probably the best one that I was able to see live and play against. I'd say Isaiah Whitehead um, and Briscoe was good too. But I would just say like those, those two are, you know, good guys that I played against. Um, and AAU especially. Um, so I would say Isaiah Whitehead is probably the guy, yeah. Something I wanna ask, and shout out to Isaiah Whitehead, Briscoe, if y'all wanna mm. hop on the show, the platform is y'all, so mm. you could come on if y'all wanna hop on, but tell me, is there a difference or what was the difference you saw from playing in Jersey most of your life and playing in other states? Like in the South, what is the type of basketball and play down there and at bar like did you see a difference in the states of how the game was played I would say it's not too different I would say in Jersey it's just more physical that's the like I would say in Jersey it's just 
more of like a physical style of basketball. Um, and that's like known, you know, like, you know, toughness, like New Jersey, New York, you know, a lot of scrappy dudes. That's kind of like the thing that I noticed the most. Obviously the scrappiness, you know, down South and out West or whatever too, but I would say dudes, cause there are dudes, you know, that I played at Hampton that were from, you know, New Jersey, New York as well. And they were scrappy. So I would say New Jersey is just typically more like rugged, scrappy dudes. Um, and then down South, it's similar. It's just, um, I would say it's a little more finesse, but it's still scrappy. Um, mm-hmm. But the biggest difference, I would say Jersey, um, and even at Bard, two of the teams we played, they're just, I would say physicality is a big emphasis um, compared to other parts of the country. But everywhere, you know, it's physical and um, it's the same style in terms of, you know, you want to be physical. So you don't want to get bullied by anyone. But I would say, especially in Jersey, just the physicality is just known. That's the biggest difference. Yeah. I, I, could, say, I could say for sure that's a fact because a lot of hacking – Things I can't say on here. <laughs> I hear we played against in Jersey, bro. Like for real. So I know for a fact that Jersey right. definitely is a emphasis, puts emphasis on the physical part of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about the AAU career, talked about, you know, and obviously there was a lot of great players you played against and it helped you get better. Like you took that over to now. We I want to take that back now over to your career in middle school, like heading into high school, because to be honest. The, my first impression of you watching you play when I saw you in seventh grade and I was on the when I was playing in eighth grade basketball and you were in the seventh grade team for South Orange Middle School. Yeah. First of all, let's talk about how loaded those South Orange Middle School teams were from from my year to your year to Michael's year. All three of those teams. I think you guys went undefeated uh, a couple of times. I know they went undefeated a couple of times. We went undefeated a couple of times. Right. Loaded. Loaded. South Orange Middle School basketball was loaded. But let's talk about just how like. It, that AAU, that playing AAU at a young age and playing all those games and all those reps made you better because you look like a high school hooper when you were in middle school. That was the, that's what I saw. I saw like this kid could go play JV tomorrow, like seventh grade. That's how I felt about you and a couple other guys. I, Otis, I felt that way about Austin White. Like, what was it like that made it look so? It made it you just made it look easy out there at a young age. Yeah, now I just I just say like when you play against great players growing up, you you just automatically get better because you know like what you can do and what you can't do, you know. If you're playing, you know, soft or you know, your dribble's not tight, you know, against a great player, he's gonna take it from you. So, so you're gonna adjust. And I think, you know, guys, you know, who I play with, they just realize, you know, you gotta play a certain way if you wanna be effective, you know. You know, you gotta in order to be effective, you don't wanna over dribble, you wanna have like short, crisp moves, um, you know, take your shots when you're open. So I think just learning little things like that. Um, kind of helped me develop into the player that I was able to become. Um, and yeah, I know what you're saying, like I was able to play JV my, my freshman year at Col- uh, Columbia and, um, and I was ready for it, you know, just, you know, I was, I was obviously a skinny dude, but mentally I think I knew the game well enough to play at that level. And I think it's just from playing all over the country, to be honest, like we played in nationals. I think 11 U nationals in, was in Cocoa Beach, Florida. So I was 11 years old playing in Cocoa Beach, Florida. You know, and when you're there, you play against teams from like how West, you know, the South, you know, so it's just like playing against different players from all over. So I would say, yeah, just playing all over, you know, you just learn the game from at a different pace. And that helps, you know, help me especially play, you know, you know high school basketball. Yeah. It's the little things. It's, it's yeah. the little things that you just mentioned, like crisp moves, good decision making, taking yeah. shots when you're open. All that stuff stood out. Like when I watched you play, it was just like, yo, he plays like someone who's just way older than seventh grade. Like it was insane watching you play, watching Otis play, all these guys. And the key thing we keep going back to is game reps, like getting as many yeah. reps as possible, playing as many good players as possible. 
And while everyone can't play AAU and play in, in nationals, right, at 11 years old, yeah, exactly. you can go to your local park and play against players, I promise you, are, pretty, are, are damn good, right? And you're yeah. going to get better off of that. So that's something I wanted you to hit on, too, because I think that's important. That's something important for every young hooper that listens to the show, like, get reps, get as many reps as possible because you're going to get better and play above your head, play with people that are better, play with people that play at faster speed and work to be better. So, nah, man, that, that's definitely something too. And I know that team was talented. A bunch of guys went to a bunch of different places after going to South Orange Middle School, went to a bunch of different high schools and wanted to have great careers afterwards, right? So you play in middle school, you, you mm-hmm. dominate. How many, how many times did y'all win the championship um, in, for that middle school team with you and Austin? You know, it's crazy. My memory is pretty bad. I think we won it one time, but, you know, Maplewood was that other juggernaut that we ran into and they got us a couple of times. Maplewood, to be honest. Who did on that team? You, had, you played a bunch of guys that yeah. went to Columbia High School afterwards. Who they, had, they, had, they had Enos from the team. Austin was on that team his, his first year. So sixth grade, they got yeah. us. They had Austin White, you know, Enos, which was my grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple other guys. Jones. Justin Osuji was on that uh-huh. team. Uh-huh. Uh, those are the main guys. Um but yeah, they got us a couple of times. Yeah, to be honest. Um, so we had good records. Like we might have like one or two losses, but they got us in the chip, you know, a couple mm-hmm. times. So let me let me tell the listeners something. That those games were bust crazy, <laughs> crazy games. Like people couldn't get in the gyms, packed, it was hot. It, it was it was and yo, to go see some 12 and 11 year olds go play. Like, like yeah. it was gonna be a good game. Like it was gonna be a competitive game, bro. Like those games were movies. Like, I'm sure you remember. You got to remember that part. That part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. I, remember, I, remember, <laughs> I remember the crowd guy. Like, I remember, you know, playing against Maplewood. Um, one time we actually played against Maplewood at Columbia. You know, it was a like yeah. South Orange Middle School versus Maplewood Middle School game at Columbia, you know, because it's a rivalry game. They want, you know, a lot of people there. So, you know, and the crowd was crazy. You know, we're 11, 12 years old, but, you know, we're still making plays in the, you know, and it's exciting basketball. So, um, but yeah, I just remember the crowd going crazy at times, you know, me just loving it. And just being like, yo, like, you know, I definitely want to hoop for, you know, a while. Like, I love doing that. Like, I, I love hooping. So definitely want to try to get better. And those games help my confidence the most. You know, like, I was a confident player. So that helped a lot. For sure. little fast forward to high school. You score a 1,000 points. A lot of people don't get that opportunity to score a 1,000 points. So referencing what you said earlier, bucket that, yeah. You did that aspect. How was that to actually score a thousand points in your college, in your high school career? Man, it was a great feeling. So I did it at home in the state playoff game. Like it was the um, first round uh, state playoff game at home against North Hunterdon. Like I'll never forget it. It was a bucket. It's crazy. I remember the exact score to put us up 37 to 23. So it put us up by 14 in the third quarter. And, you know, I scored that bucket. And the next play, I think they call timeout because that, that we were on a big run. I might have capped off a big run. And so they call timeout. And then, you know, they announced on the speaker, you know, David Runcie has just scored a, th- is a thousand career point. And I'm like, like, damn, like I really scored a doubt. Like I knew I knew I did, but it just hits you like, dang, like that's a thousand. That's one K. Um, and then, you know, I'm getting hugs from my teammates. It's one of those moments that you won't you'll never forget because it's just like like I actually did something like big, you know, um, and, you know, I make that layup and the most important thing is that we won the game. Like, like it was cool to score a thousand, but it was a state playoff game and that kind of helped us build momentum, you know, to win the game. But yeah, man, like to score a thousand um, at home in front of the fans, like Columbia is a small, it's a small gym, but those, those fans are crazy at times, especially Yo. state playoff games. Like, 
yeah, you guys know, like, man. So that bucket, you know, thousand point, they knew it was my thousand point too, because, um, you know, they announced it, so they went crazy. But even like before that, the whole game was just nuts, you know, people going crazy. So um, to do it at home was the biggest thing for me. Like that, that was, it would have been cool on the road, but at home, it's, you know, it hits different at home. So that was a cool feeling. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of buckets. Thousand points, that's a lot of buckets right there. Yeah. Some people hey, Greg, you know that's been that's been playing since three that don't have a thousand buckets yet. No, they don't, they don't, I know some people that have played since they were three and have not accumulated a thousand points in their careers. Like that's, it's an accomplishment to score a thousand points at a school, bro. Like it's just it's crazy. And and that's yeah. the thing about Dave, bro. Like it was it was you'd watch you go watch Dave play, he'd be calm the whole game, he'd get a run, start he start hitting threes. And then just be like, all right, here we go. Like, it's, it's about to take off. And the, the crowd would get into it. Like, you talk about that Columbia crowd. That was real, man. Like, that, that, it was really loud in there. Like, it was wild how loud it got. And also how hot it got in there, too. Um, so, you played for Columbia. What do you say, bro? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, sorry. It, not my bad. Yeah, I was going to say, like, it's a small gym, but it gets loud in there. Like, as you guys know, it gets a little crazy, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, it's the kind of environment you – you kill the plan. You you want to be there so bad, and um, in those moments of playing at home, you guys like Columbia had a real and probably still has a real a real home court advantage when they fill up that gym, or even get it hat to half capacity. It gets so loud in there; they just, just they feel like the sounds bouncing off the walls. Um, but you play there. Um, my my question for you, right? I mean, Seton Hall, right? You play you play against Seton Hall Prep. Uh, you guys beat Seton Hall Prep, right? Like I, I, one of those years, y'all beat Seton Hall Prep. Um, what was that like? I, I think that may have been Temple team, if, you, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what was that like beating them? I know that for anyone who doesn't doesn't know the context, Colombian team are a big rival. So, or, or at least in Colombia's mind, they are. So, how did how did that game go? What did that What did that feel like beating them? Man, it was good. That was the second game of my senior season. Um, we had just beaten Newark Tech the night before. And uh, to beat them, they were a ranked team at the time. And yeah, Temple Gibbs, you know, was the star of that team. And they had some other good players. But it just felt good, man, like to finally beat them because they've been beating up on us, you know, for years. And um, yeah, it's just like, got to beat them at least once. <laughs> and it was cool to do it in West Orange at the Hoop Group Tip-Off Classic. And um, yeah, man, it felt good, man. Like we all, like that was our second win of the season against a ranked team. So it felt good just to beat them, especially a rivalry game with a lot of people there. And uh, we played well, too. So it was just good to play well, see, like, your work come to fruition and beat, like, a good team like Seton Hall Prep. And, um, yeah, man, like, it was one of those things where, like, we finally got them. Like, we finally got them. Even though it was one time, we finally got them. So um, it was a good feeling to beat them uh, early in the season my senior year. He was getting buckets that game, too. He's trying to be humble. He's not going to talk about the buckets he was getting. <laughs> he had to get over 20. I was, I was, he had bro, to I was get trying to do my things. I, I think I, I think I got 20 that game, um, you know, in the fourth quarter, I, you know, I turned up a little bit, you know, it was winning time. So I had to do my thing. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to talk that. Yes. You got to talk like that. Cause you know, that, that game was crazy. That game was at West Orange high. Right. I remember that game. Wasn't yeah, it? Like, Bruh. So they, it was, the, as I'm talking about, it was the whole game. Dave was calm. He was getting buckets here and there. He was really facilitating, just keeping them in the game. And then in the fourth, Dave started wilding. Dave started wild hitting threes. 
You're going crazy while still facilitating. Crazy part about you is you'll go on these runs, but you're not a jock. Like, it's not like other guys are involved and just watch it. You're getting guys involved, too. So that was, that was a lot of fun to watch. I remember that game vividly. That's why I wanted to ask you about that game in, in particular, um, too. Yeah, man. Like, like what you're saying, like, I just tried to be even killed. Like, I don't want to be one of those players that made a big play and just went nuts because, you know, like, there's still a lot of game left. Like, if you make a big play in the first quarter, it doesn't mean as much if, as if you're losing. Like, if you make a big play and you're still losing, like, you know, sure. I want to just stay even killed, level-headed and, you know, in the fourth quarter especially, you know, try to do my thing and try to put teams away if I had the chance. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of good players out there. But if I had a chance where I could make a couple big threes, you know, to maybe seal a game, you know, I was going to do it. And, like, I wasn't shying away from it. I'm going to take the shot, you know, if I can. So, um, but yeah, man, that was a, that was a fun game. Um, that was a big win for us. And it was like a, like we finally beat them. Even though it was only one time, like finally got them. So good feeling for sure. So where did, where did that killer instinct come from? Um, to that fourth quarter come time, you, you said it's winning time. Where did that killer instinct come from to, all right, this is my time to really make an impact on the game. Uh, we see it in the league. I'm not going to say no names. Um, some people would, benefit from having your killer instinct but tell us where it first came from yeah I love it man I love it um but yeah I think it's just from being competitive and maybe it's from my dad like just you know playing ball all the time and just wanting to win because when you want to win like you'll do it like you know you'll you'll not at all costs but I mean you'll really like put crazy effort into it and you know if the game's on the line like you'll take your shot like if you lose it's like okay like at least I tried it's one of those things where I want to try to win even if you know I even if I end up losing like I want to have the game on the line. I want the game on my shoulders just because, you know, I'm competitive. It's just how it is. So um, it's one of those things where I think you, you can maybe develop it, but it's more of like a mentality thing. Like, you know, I don't want to lose. So like I'm confident in myself to make the shot. So I'm going to take the shot because I know that I can make it, you know, that's why, you know, it's not like, oh, like I'm scared I'm going to lose. It's like, I think I can make the shot. So I'm going to take it. That's why, you know, that was my mindset. Like, you know, I can make a three. So why not take a three, you know, if I'm open, no matter what, so. I think it's more so confidence. That's the biggest thing. Well, Greg, we know um, <laughs> it's a couple of NBA players. We talk on this show <laughs> that have that confidence that can't really shoot, but um, I'll press. <laughs> you, you could go, Greg. <laughs> yo, I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> yo, we, we, yo, we're going to get there. We're going to get there because because I, I want to talk to you about um, last night's game with the Nets and, and the Bucks. I, you got a chance to watch it? Yeah, we'll I did, there. man. I got to watch we'll it. We'll get there because what he throwing shade. One of the people he's talking about played and played last night, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, question I wanted to ask you, right? We we take me to the whole spectrum. Um, for starters, what? Why did you transfer from Hampton to Bards? Um, and then what was the? <laughs> I want you to talk to the talk to the uh, our young listeners because uh, we have a lot of young listeners who are impressionable and think that playing D one. Um, it's, 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 it's an incredible accomplishment, but think that D1 is just worlds better than D3 in terms of competition. And I want you to talk about that. We talk about that all the time. So the two, two part of question, go ahead. Yeah. So for me, why I transferred, um, I wanted to find the right fit. Um, so for me, um, you know, Hampton was cool. You know, I learned a lot there. I got to be part of a division one program, like what you said, but, um, I wanted to play. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to, you know, have a good playing career so so I transferred in to answer like to talk about like the d3 d1 thing d1 d2 d3 naia there's good competition everywhere you can't hide from competition 
no matter where you go, there's going to be great competition. So I knew that, you know, for me, I wanted to find a perfect fit. At the time I was, I had done two years in college. I wanted to plan in, New, uh, in the New York area. That was a big thing for me. I want to go to school in New York. Um, I want to be a part of a program where I can make a big impact. Um, I want to go to a good school. You know, obviously I want to be somewhere where the campus is beautiful. Those, those things matter to me. And Bard had a beautiful campus, good academic school. Um, the coach believed in me. He actually saw me play in high school at the Hoop Group tip-off showcase classic against CNL Prep. You know, he, he was one of the Hoop Group guys. He saw me play in high school. So he loved my game. That helped. That was a big reason I wanted to make an impact. And then, um, yeah, I think it's all about finding the perfect fit for you. It's all about what, what fits for you. And for me, um, Bard had everything I could possibly want. You know, gave me opportunity um, to play. It was only, it's about two and a half hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes from here um, where, I'm, where I live. Um, where I grew up. So my parents could see me play. That was a big thing for me. I wanted my parents to come to my home games and see me play live. So it's all about what fits you and what you're looking for. And Bart had everything I wanted. So that's, you know, why I transferred there. And the process, you know, it was hard because I didn't know exactly too much about the school. I knew the coach a little bit, but, you know, I, I visited the school beforehand. Um, the visit went well. I did it overnight. That's one thing. I think, um, visiting a school before you actually go like actually stepping foot on campus is big you like you could look at stuff online you could read about it but when you actually visit the school you get an actual feel for it and I got a good feel for Bard um and yeah that's the reason I went there and the competition was great it's a great conference and there's division one talent in division three that's the thing that I don't think people realize you know there's talented players there um and a bunch of guys I played against in ng3 are playing overseas so um, the competition is great. I knew the competition was great. And I wanted to, you know, play against great competition and also, you know, go head to head with some of those guys, you know, where I, had, where I could have immediate impact at Bard. So that's why I made that choice. Do you still follow the sport, college and NBA? Like, which do you prefer to watch? Man, especially during um, pandemic, I've been watching it all. <laughs> but if I had to pick, I'd probably say NBA. I'm a big NBA fan. Um, I love talking about the NBA, so I would say the NBA. Okay, okay. So. <laughs> I, I, yo, I never even asked you, do you have a favorite team? We never so, talked about you having a favorite team. I don't know if you have a favorite team or not. Yeah, Crazy. so I follow players. I'm a, I'm a big LeBron fan, and so I like the Lakers. Um, but for me, I like these young dudes, man. Like, I'm a big Jamal Murray fan, a big Donovan Mitchell fan. So I root for the Lakers the most, but – I like the Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets a lot, too. I don't know if you know, know any Denver Nuggets or Utah Jazz fans, but you're looking at one, basically. <laughs> so it's, it's, a, it's a weird mix. But Lakers, Jazz, and, um, um, and Nuggets, just because I, I found players. And I love Donovan Mitchell's game and Jamal Murray. So that's why I like you know, those two teams as well. Oh, some good players. You just, you just rattled off right there. You know what? And while we're on the NBA, um, I, 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 I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Nets. Oh, and, and, and what they've done, I know people, you know, people listen to this podcast, I'll be going, yo, he always only talks about the Nets. Hey, what else are we going to talk about? The Nets just got James Harden, Kyrie, they got Kyrie, and, and they got KD. It's lit. It's lit. Nets world. So tell me what you thought about, uh, you watched last night's game against the Bucks? Yeah, got to watch it. What did you think about Giannis? I don't want to lead, I don't want to ask you a leading question. Yeah. What did you think about Giannis not guarding um, KD down the stretch? No, I want to. I'm gonna ask it. I'm gonna ask it. Right. You talked about the killer instinct. You, if you're in a position playing at the high school, playing at Bar, the other player's best perimeter player 
is getting off. He's getting buckets. Yeah. Are you going to go guard somebody else? No, man. I'm trying to guard the guy that's scoring. Like, will I stop him? Maybe not. But am I going to try? Yeah, I'm trying. Like, that's the point. You got to try. Um, so I think to answer your question, both you guys, like, I would have loved to see Giannis do it. I know they might say it's a long season. Maybe, like, you know, I don't know what they're like, the reason is for him not guarding KD. Maybe because, you know, he's, they're trying to preserve Giannis. I don't know. Maybe because I think that's the best matchup. Like, Giannis against KD, like, Will KD score probably? Like, yeah, he'll probably still score, but it'll be harder than if, like, Chris Middleton or whoever else is guarding him. Like, I think you put the best on the best at the end of the game. That's just what I think. Um, so I don't know what the reasoning was why that didn't happen, but I would have loved to see it. Yeah, I would have loved to see Giannis on KD. So. You don't preserve a guy who's making $45 million a year. He makes the most money out of any other American athlete, period. So it's no way... They can, and this is not directed at you, but there's no way they can preserve that guy. That can't be the that can't be what they were doing. It, it, well, you know what it is? He's ducking smoke. Giannis Maybe. ducked smoke last night. He be ducking smoke. He ducks smoke all the time. That's all he does. He's a he's a professional smoke ducker. That's what he does for a living. That's what Giannis does on the regular. On the regular, for real. That's all he does, bro. He's a professional smoke ducker. That's it. That's what we about to start calling Giannis on the show. A professional <laughs> smoke ducker. Yeah, yo, if you think about it too, like. The craziest thing to me about last night with Giannis too is like offensively he had a pretty good game. He didn't he he hit some threes, hit some yeah, jump shots. Good. He was pretty aggressive all game, using the flow right, but never guarded KD. And he's their defensive player of the year. You're not my defensive player of the year last year. My <laughs> defensive player of the year last year was Anthony Davis. Period. I agree with you on that. I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Like so, the fact that he won it, he wins it because he plays great defense and help. But. He's your longest defender. He makes the most sense to guard KD. Maybe KD doesn't get that last three off if you have him guarding KD. The last three off the pass, the, the bounce, the pass from Harden. Right? right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it gives him the best chance to win. So, yeah, man. I, I, Giannis, Giannis, to me, I, <laughs> I, I had to take on here where I, where I talked about how overrated he was, and it was it was, it was was not taken well oh. by some people. Um, oh, it was a hot take? Was it a hot uh, take? The, you know the hot take. <laughs> <laughs> I love hot takes, man. I love them. That was my first. That was my first. I think I let him. That was probably my first hot take on here, bro. Uh, <laughs> my first or second. Um, and people did not take it well, bro. But it's yeah, fast. Still, I'm still getting DMs about Greg hot takes. Bro. <laughs> For real? <laughs> Yo, know, some of my listeners be like, "Do he know basketball? <laughs> I'm talking. Crazy. he talking about it? He's just a biased Nets fan. Like <laughs> they be talking. They be going. They be coming left." But that's good, man. That means, that means the podcast is taking off, man, because they 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 really care, you know, if they're really coming or questioning, you know, what you're saying. So that's good. No, it, you know, it definitely is a good thing. It's a good thing. But I mean, if they want to come on here and tell me why I'm wrong, I, I mean, they they can be my guest, bro. I, <laughs> I promise you, bro. I'll be seeing some nuts stuff online. <laughs> hey, so before we transition to with the quickness segment, what is one piece of advice you give to a young basketball player? with aspirations and goals to play college ball, play high, even play high school ball. Like give them some, uh, give some advice, some free game to some of these young ballers. Yeah. So I would tell them um, first thing first, you know, play your game um, and don't just focus on a specific school. Don't just say like it's a D one school or bust. I think it's whatever level you end up at. If you put in the work, um, whether it's, you know, consistently getting reps, you know, playing in games, 
because I think it's important to play playing games. I know it's tough right now because we're in a pandemic, but you know, when things ease up, I would say, um, you know, try to get get as much game experience as possible, whether that's AAU or your high school season. You know, just try playing games and um, and just basically work on things too. When you're not in a game, you know, work on your handle, work on your shot. Because nowadays, if you can't shoot, you know, it's tough to play at the next level. You have to be at least an average shooter to, you know, be a good college player nowadays. It's different. So I would say constant reps, play your game. Don't be who you're not. Stick to your game. And then by you working hard and playing your game, you'll land at the right school without you even realizing it, whether it's a high D3 school, low D2 school, whatever D1, you'll end up where you belong if you just kind of stick with the grind and stay and stay basically mentally strong. I think that's the biggest thing. So stick with it and don't basically brush the process. That's what I would say. Well, there you go. There you go. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> don't rush the process. There you don't go. Rush it, man. Don't rush it. Hey, we didn't rush you getting the title. That was the last question before we transitioned and we got the title right there. Don't rush the process. I like it. I mean, that, that literally, that's your career right there not rushing the process, um, trusting your instincts, working hard, putting the time in, getting buckets, and doing what was what was best for you. So this next segment, with the quickness segment, this is where some of our guests end up being hot takes and get themselves mm-hmm. viral and people commenting like, yo, who is this guest? So... Yeah. This is the segment. Answer however you choose. All right, let's do it. Start off with something simple. What's your go-to meal? My go-to meal, man. I would say steak and rice. Steak and rice. That's a great combo, man. Steak and rice. What type of rice? What type of rice? Basic white rice. Basic. Basic white rice. That's my. That's my my go-to meal, man. Steak sauce. Definitely A1, 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 man. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Hey, Greg, you already know the vibes. You know what's next. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, right. Yo, so, you know next. so, so, um, yo, Dave, have you had the Chick fil A chicken sandwich? Craziest thing, bro. I, I, I had one for the <laughs> for the first time a, a couple months ago. So I had it late. Yeah, I did. Okay, okay, cool. It was late. You scared, you scared me for a second. Have you had the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Yes, I have. All right. So this has been a hotly debated topic on the podcast. I've been asking every, every single guest that comes on which one they think is better between the two. Um, I know I have my opinion. It's, it's well documented which one I think is better, but I don't want to sway you if you don't know. So which one do you think is better? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Hey! Chick-fil-A, baby! I think, hey. it's, I, I think you're the first He's person the first. to come on here and tell me that that – Chick-fil-A is better. You're the first person, bro. He's the first guest. A lot of people like the Popeyes, right? Yes, bro. Why do you like the Chick-fil-A one better? But for me, I don't know. For me, it just hits different. Like, I can't really explain it. It's just, I don't know, man. That taste for me is just different. Um, And it just, you know, it just hits me well. I mean, it just hits hits different compared to Popeyes for me. I mean, they're both great. I mean, but you tell me to pick one, I'm going Chick-fil-A, man. Yo, Chick-fil-A, that Chick-fil-A sauce? That's the that's the sauce from a good burger or something like that. Chick Fil A sauce is elite. Chick Fil A sauce is legalized crack. Like, <laughs> like, I, I, yo, I got I got mad Chick Fil A sauce downstairs in my kitchen, bro. I be hoarding them. I be I be collecting them because we got. Yo, I love good. it. I love it. They they not stingy. Like oh, no. 
fast food establishments. We're not going to say which ones because if y'all want to sponsor the show, we'll gladly take your sponsorship. But Chick-fil-A will give you 12 sauces and be like, my pleasure. Exactly. I love that. That's great service. No, it adds to it. So much respect to Chick-fil-A, man. Great chicken sandwich. Word. Favorite basketball player right now? LeBron James. LeBron, LeBron. Okay. From Jersey. Jersey legend. We mentioned Columbia. We mentioned all the players you played. Give me your top five players from Jersey. Of all time? All time. You could go back to Tim Thomas. You could say right now. Yeah. All right. Kyrie Irving for sure. Easy. I'm going to put Tim Thomas in there. So Kyrie Irving, Tim Thomas. I'm going to give Kyle Anderson. Kyle Anderson. I like mm-hmm. Kyle Anderson. That's – no, he's still in the league, putting a bucket uh, in Memphis. Um, Carl Towns. Carl Towns. That's that's one. Um, and then shout-out J.R. Smith. Got to give J.R. Smith his respect. That's a two-time NBA champion. He's been in the league for a while. You know, he just won his second or second ring with the Lakers in the bubble. So I would say he's in his prime too. And um, his prime when he was with Denver, he was he was different. So I think he's definitely um, needs his respect. So I would say those five. Crazy. Yeah, Jr. Even when he got to New York, still still was in his bag. He you know, yeah, off court stuff I guess was the issue. But he, I think now he still could get off. It's just getting in that right situation. Yeah. And with everything going on, I don't think it'll probably be like around the uh, all-star time where you see some people getting signed and whatnot. So we mentioned already, we know Harton was traded. Yeah. Kyrie's coming back. Do you have Brooklyn winning the East? I have Brooklyn winning the championship this year. The whole thing. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I think they're winning the chip. They're definitely winning the East. They're winning the chip. That, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> yes, they're winning the East. Yo, he's he's a Bron guy too, by the way. He's I know, but like two by the way. But bro, they have three like walking buckets. I don't know how you could beat that. I mean, obviously chemistry is a, a big thing, but like I just think they'll chemistry like by June or whenever by the playoffs, by April, I think they'll be good. So I think Brooklyn wins the chip. Definitely wins the East. I think. They beat the Lakers in six in the finals. That's that's my prediction. That, that's my hot take. Yeah, that's my hot take. Yo, I I so so <laughs> for all the listeners out here, for all the listeners who think that um I'm a biased Nets fan and everything like that, whatever, right? I have been telling everybody who will listen that I think the Lakers are gonna win the year the championship this year in about six or seven games. I think next year the Nets are gonna win it all. I depending on how this season goes, that opinion can change. Because, yo, it, it really is scary with just KD and, and Harden, bro. Like, it's really crazy how good they are. But if you can add Kyrie into this thing, and Kyrie, it fits. Like, it makes sense. Like, Kyrie's good off ball, good with the ball, and it's all enjoy playing together. Yo, watch out. Like, I'm not I'm not betting against Bron. I, I still got mm. – I got Lakers in six. I'm not – it's hard for me to bet against anyone who's not betting against Braun. I get that too. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. That. And, and plus, man, he's playing great. He just won his fourth ring in the bubble, like, and he's playing great this year. And the Lakers look good again this year. So if they won the chip, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm just, you know, feeling I'm on that Brooklyn Nets wave, that adrenaline of made a big trade. They just got like one of the best scores ever. 
But if the, if they lost to the Lakers in seven or six or five or whatever, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if the Lakers end up beating them. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be those two in the chip, Lakers and Nets. Yeah, I was definitely going to say Brooklyn will win it. Um, I, they didn't even have Kyrie last night and Milwaukee barely lost that game. You add Kyrie to the mix. I don't, that's a, that's a long series. That, that's, a, that's a lot of a headache. That, that's yeah. a super headache for them, you know, like, as you said, it's too many buckets on one team. And then when you have a situation where Joe Harris gets 20, DeAndre Jordan gets 12. If you got the role players, and I'm sure they're going, they're going to be very much a part of the buyout market. They're getting another couple of pieces, I think. They you are. see, it, it's going to be that same type of that feel when LeBron went to Miami. Everybody wanted to go. I'll play for two dollars. <laughs> Facts, <laughs> bro. I think the biggest thing is just defense because they, they've been scoring at will. They just have to be able to defend. If they can defend Milwaukee or defend the Lakers or at least contain them, I think they could win. But because Milwaukee still scored 123 points, so I mean Milwaukee was still getting buckets. But if the Nets could just hold teams to like low 100s, they could. You know, in the playoffs where the game's a little slower, they'll be all right. But offensively, they should be good. It's just defensively, that's where the Lakers could probably knock them out if that happens, or even Milwaukee. So Lakers defense, Lakers defense is all. They're all time defensive, all time defensive, just great unit. They're just all time great defensively. They do a great job on defense. They talk. So that's where I give the Lakers an edge. Is right there. But there's not an answer for KD. It's a hard to answer to develop with KD. Brown will have to play at the highest level he's played in the last three or four years, and that's not asking too much out of him. You know, I'm I'm not betting against Brown. I think they, I think the Lakers win it this year in six or seven. Mm-hmm. But next year, bro, yeah, I think the Nets are gonna win a championship. I think Nets are winning one championship over the next two, three years, at least, at least. Yeah, the thing that you mentioned, like you mentioned Milwaukee. Before I go to the next question, they really don't even gotta stop Milwaukee, in my opinion. You know why? Because if it's a close game, which more than likely it's gonna be a close game, there yeah. won't be a blowout in that series at all. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee ain't got no closer. That is true. So if I'm putting my money on, we need <laughs> a closer to get buckets. We got three of them. Exactly. Chris Middleton, he's good, but. He's not buckets. the same level as Kyrie or any of those dudes. A like, closer? Yeah. You're nah. trying to turn him into a closer. He's not a closer. He has to be that way because you're a leader, you're captain, <laughs> my and Sir Captain, <laughs> he's shooting. Shoot, we gonna show. I want to know is his free throw percentage going to be higher than <laughs> Buck's winning percentage? For real? Yeah, yeah that, that's facts. Um, yeah. He can't knock down a free throw. And uh, there was that. I think that one game recently, he was like one for ten. I don't know what game that was. He was struggling. Yeah, Dallas, I think played Dallas that night. Yeah, I think it might have been Dallas. Oh. How Shaq shooting better free throw percentage? Yeah, I'm telling you, he's overrated. I'm telling you, definitely playoff time. That's a that's a problem, man. You can't a be huge, doing that. Huge problem when we need the ball to be in your hands. You're six foot ten, six foot eleven. Nobody could guard you in the paint. This like we we could get you the ball in the paint, yeah. but if you get fouled. Yeah, it's a little bit of a problem at that point. So. You play it against Brooklyn, they knocking down threes, and you getting one out of two on free throws. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I think there'd be a couple blocks in that series. To be honest, I think there would be. 
You paying attention at all to uh, college ball right now? A little bit. Um, I just know the big storylines, you know, Kentucky's been struggling, you know, just kind of like it's been a weird year. Um, but yeah, I've been watching a little bit. So yeah. Jalen Suggs or Kate Cunningham? Ooh, man. Um, that's a good question. Um, I might have to go Cade. I, I haven't seen them enough, but like, I don't know. I just like his game. I mean, I have to do more research, you know, to fully answer that question, but I, I'm saying Cade from what I've seen. Yeah. Oh, that's, I don't think anybody's going to like it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a win win type of situation. It's not like we said Cade Cunningham and Antonio Burnett. Like, that's. <laughs> man, I've seen you get buckets, though, man. You, you're selling yourself short. I get buckets, but I'm here with you right now. <laughs> so he's somewhere about to get millions. I'm yeah, trying to true. get as well. So, <laughs> all right, we got um, like three or four before we get you out of here. Star bench cut top players under 25, all right? So I'm going to give you a star bench cut for players under 25. Okay. You mentioned Jamal Murray. So Jamal Murray, yep. Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. Devin Booker. That's Ooh, hard. that's, that's really a tough one. Yeah. I might have to go. <laughs> this is going to be maybe a hot take. Start Donovan Mitchell, bench Jamal Murray, cut Devin Booker. Sure. Devin, Booker Devin Booker might be out of there, even though he's crazy talented. But I've seen Jamal Murray go crazy in the playoffs. I've seen Donovan Mitchell go crazy in the playoffs. That's one thing, you know, D-Book hasn't done yet. It's not his fault, but as of now, I'm going start. Um, Donovan Mitchell, bench, Jamal Murray, cut, Devin Booker. So. I don't know if it's a hot take, but we're going to definitely get some people with some opinions on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You can't argue with the logic. Yeah, you can't You can't argue with it. You ain't seen it in the playoff times yet. Mm-hmm. Another one with the young players. Mm-hmm. We're going to do Trey Young, John Morant, Jason Tatum. Uh, starting Jason Tatum, I am benching Ja Durant, Ja Morant, and I'm cutting Trey Young. Yeah, cutting Trey Young. I, I, would, I would have said the exact same thing. I would have said the exact same thing. Yeah, cutting Trey Young, man. They're yeah. all buckets, but yeah, Trey Young has to go in that scenario. I was uh, telling somebody the other day, I think John Moran is better than Trey Young. And me they too. I was crazy. I, don't think, I think John Moran is better than him, objectively, bro. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yo, Trey Young's a bucket. He is like, a bucket. He's a, he's a bucket. He's a super defensive liability. Defensive yeah. liability. He only passes when there's a clear assist, but I don't like. I think he only passes to get the assist. And he may shoot a little bit too much, to be quite honest. Not on his game. Just not just re- observations from Greg. That's it. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna do bucket getters, right? Star bench cut. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, Kevin Durant, Michael Jordan. Ooh, that's, that's all a great point. Strictly buckets. Strictly buckets. That might be the toughest one of the day. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Because I don't know if I can cut MJ. That'd be kind of crazy. All right, so I'm going to go. Whew, I'm going to go. I'm starting. 
I'm gonna start MJ. Start MJ. I'm benching. <laughs> I'm benching KD, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> and I'm cutting Kobe. Yeah, that sounds crazy, but <laughs> I might. <laughs> I'm cutting Kobe. <laughs> You know how crazy that sounds, though, bro. Like, I would have, I would have said KD. I would have said KD, Jordan, and Kobe. That's all I would have said. That would have been my, that would have been my three. You would have cut Kobe too. I would have KD, Kobe, and Jordan because go chill in Charlotte. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, that's crazy. Those are three greatest scorer of all time. Hands down. Yeah, I don't don't even think it's that close. To be honest. Next set. Star bench cut. Scorers. Mello. Paul Pierce. AR. Ooh. That's a great one, too. Um, AI. I'm starting AI. Um, I'm benching Mello, and Paul Pierce is getting cut. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Pierce is getting cut on that one. Um, loves his game, but... Mellow and AI, AI, sorry, Mellow and AI are just different breeds. So. Yo, know, I'm just laughing at how mad Paul Pierce would be if he heard this, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, no, we got tag. You know we got tag. We got Paul tag. Pierce, the same dude that told us that he better than doing weight. <laughs> nah, bro. Nah, nah. He he's he's just chatting on that one, man. That's crazy. Yeah, he, he really believed that. Yo, no, no, just, no disrespect, Paul Pierce. You're gonna come on the show, bro. You can tell me. You can come tell me why you better than doing weight. All due respect. Yeah, and Paul Pierce, you're a bucket getter. So, I mean, explain your case, you know. It's, yeah, it's, really. it's respectable. I mean, just explain it. Maybe it's because he played for Boston that I can't see it. I don't know. I'm alert. I'm alert. I think Boston. I think he retired and, you know, CBD and everything like that <laughs> might factor into it. You know, you don't have to worry about those testing anymore. Do you remember? Do you remember the game that they were supposed to um, do the ceremony for him? They did it. They did the, the retirement ceremony for him. They did a tribute video and everything like that. And he had told the Celtics not to do because the, they were doing for Isaiah Thomas that same night. Oh, and, he the Cavs, and he told them not to do it. He made a big. He made a big fuss about it. Then the Cavs came in and beat them by like fifty. You remember that night? You ever yeah, see that Paul Pierce's face in the crowd? That's <laughs> yeah, the, that was the that nice. That's the way I remember Paul Pierce. That's the way I'm always gonna remember him with that look on his face for the rest of my life. Yo, before we get to the last question, best thing in the world ever when you talk about Paul Pierce, that last year in the league when Draymond was like, yo, you a cheerleader, you just mad, they don't show you the same love that they showed Kobe. Him, that face, is what I remember with Paul. That face, that was priceless. Bro, Tonio, bro. That's, I remember that forever, bro. I remember seeing the clip. And I think Draymond was on the – he was in the game, right? And Paul Pierce was on the bench. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was a classic, bro. That was a classic. Um, Yo, they don't love you like they love Kobe. It's a fact, though. He was, he was like, who do you think you was? You think he was Kobe? <laughs> it's, it's so sad because it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, that's fact. It's so true. Oh, man. He didn't get no farewell toy. Like, <laughs> There was no farewell hey, to no. hey, Greg, we might as well just forget it. We ain't getting Paul Pierce on here. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to edit out that part or something, man. <laughs> He's 
not gonna edit it out, bro. That's gold. Hey, I, I hope we have some Paul Pierce fans, bro. I hope we have some Paul Pierce, some Boston Celtics fans that listen to the podcast because I would love to hear you know their takes on Paul Pierce. I, I don't even think Celtics fans think he's that great. I, I don't. Even, I don't think they they know they love him. They think he's great. I don't think they think that he belongs in the category with Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I hope not. No chance. Please, no. I, he's definitely top fifty all time. I'll put him. Yeah. Uh, he's top fifty all time. Fifty Wade all time. Top twenty-five. Yeah, we got to split it in half. Yeah. D-Way got D-Way cleared him. Yeah. E- easy. And shout out D-Way. If you want to come on the show, I see you enjoying your life with Gabby. If both <laughs> on the show, come on the show. You're retired. You're loving life. We got time too, so come on and hop on the bench mob. Before no. we get you, out, Dave. Last question: Five people, dead or alive, that you would have a meal with. That you're gonna have come eat steak and rice with you. Ooh, steak and rice with with David Renzi. I want. All right, I definitely Kobe. You know, R.I.P. to Kobe. Uh, I want. Um, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, Kobe, Kevin Hart. You know, Kevin Hart. You know, funny dude. Got to add some comedy to the table. Um, so Kevin Kevin Hart, Kobe, um, Beyonce. You know, Queen B. You know, I wanna. I want her in on that too. So those three, um, who else? That's a great question. I, um, hmm, man. Well, Kobe might not come. You just cut him, so. <laughs> man, he, I mean, <laughs> he, he knows those are two amazing scores. So uh, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to forgive me on that one. Um, so the last two, the last two I want at the table with me, um, I think, I think I want Kyrie Irving. I know he's, a dude that takes a lot of heat, but I think he's like misunderstood. I think he's a good dude, you know, does a lot for the community. I definitely would want him to be at that table. Um, and then the last person, whew, that's a tough one, dead or alive. I think, um, I mean, obviously it'd be you guys, but we're talking, you know, <laughs> if I could take, you know, both you guys, you know, that'd be great vibes, but, you know, <laughs> talking about other people, I would definitely, my last person, would probably be, um, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, Jordan, I think I would take Jordan. You know, just uh, just pick his brain about life. I know he's you know amazing basketball player, but just in general, um, just you know, talk to him and just you know get to see what you know. It's like being Air Jordan. You know, the you know one on one, just seeing what that's like. So those five definitely want to chop it up, eat some steak and rice. You know, good eats, good people. No. So those- that sounds like a show right there. Steak and rice with David Runchy. That really sounds like nice. Throw that bad boy in the grill, man. Just, you know, let it let it cook, you know, let it rock. And then, you know, get the A1 sauce too. Got, you know, <laughs> special sauce. So. Facts. But thank you so much for taking time out of your evening to hop on with the Bench Mob. Definitely, y'all check us out. This will be out on all streaming platforms. It'll be on YouTube. Um, we thank y'all for all the support. Continue support. Continue voting on the polls. All of that is much needed. But again, thank you for taking time out to hop on, chat with the bench mob. Y'all know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace. Peace.